Hello and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.iamwomanproject.com.au. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at I Am Woman Project and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have Joanne Verikios, a woman of integrity. Joanne is an accomplished author, trusted health and lifestyle consultant, experienced horse breeder and trainer, award-winning athlete, speaker and successful real estate investor. Although her earliest ambition in life was to be a bareback rider in a circus, Joanne graduated from universities with an honours degree in Russian and then rose through the ranks in the Australian Public Service. Her career as a bureaucrat took her all over the world, including Antarctica. Meanwhile, Joanne was also busy establishing the highborn Warm Blood Stud, which she ran for 16 years while working full-time. Joanne also somewhat unexpectedly became a national champion and Australian representative powerlifter, with some of her achievements featuring in two editions of the Guinness Book of Records. Now let's tune in to this extraordinary, inspirational individual. So welcome to the show, Joanne Verikios. I have to say it with an accent, I'm probably not saying it correctly, but how are you today? I'm really well, thank you, Catherine. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, for our listeners, I was having a bit of a practice on how to pronounce the surname because it's such a beautiful name, but you have to say it in such a way. And Joanne was explaining to me, you've got to say it with a bit of angst or a little bit of anger, but I hope I, do, I did it justice. You did, and I, I should have said passion, not anger. Ah, oh, passion, yes. That well, I think the way that I did it, I think it was just, I think I almost sang a song to you before, but that's okay. <laughs> it's beautiful. So, Joanne, for our listeners, because we were having a bit of a chat and, and all the things that you do, and I have to say quite extraordinary, all the things that you do, how about if we maybe start with uh, who is Joanne and uh, uh, maybe share some of those things that you do? with our listeners. All right. Thank you. Um, I am I'm many things, but I think basically I started in life as a little girl who was passionate about horses, and that has shaped a lot of my life uh, all through primary school and high school and indeed through my university studies. And when I was a kid, I wanted to be a bareback rider in a circus, and that, of course, was never going to fly. But I then thought, oh, well, I will teach riding, I will breed horses, I will do that sort of thing. Uh, Enter the vocational guidance counsellors at school who said, "Uh, forget about that, keep it as a hobby, and you're good at writing, you're good at thinking, you're quite conceptual, 
um, maybe, you know, a more office-bound job would pay the bills better, but keep the horses as a hobby. So I think it's um, a, a good lesson in how the wheel can come full circle because I've since written a book about horsemanship. So I've used my writing skills to share my knowledge about horses um, with with the world and especially with people who are interested in improving their horses through improving their mindset. But I do a lot of other things. I spent, um, believe it or not, over 30 years as a public servant. That's what you uh, prepare yourself for when you do a degree in Russian. And I have, um, since leaving the public service, reinvented myself as something of an entrepreneur with an online business in wellness and also as a property investor. So I love doing all of those things. And a friend of mine said recently, haven't you ever thought about actually retiring and having a hobby? And I said, what, instead of three or four jobbies, <laughs> which made her laugh. So I think that's probably enough uh, along those lines, if that answers your question. Absolutely. And with your book, um, tell us a little bit about your book, because I think it ties in with not just about horses, but I think a little bit about what you currently do as well, isn't it, with the wellness uh, or well-being side of things as well? Yes, certainly. When I was uh, at high school, I worked in my dad's pharmacy after hours and on Saturday mornings, and that gave me a real interest in health uh, and wellness for for humans, but particularly I loved the veterinary section, and so it was health and wellness for dogs and cats and horses because chemists used to have a, a much greater role in uh, advising racehorse trainers and all sorts of people, greyhound trainers, than they do now, I think, in the days of patent medicines. So that gave me an interest. Uh, but the sad thing is that when I had my horse stud and I was 16 years, had a, a horse stud, stood a stallion at stud, had up to, you know, 20 to 30 horses on the place at any one time with visiting mares and foals and things, as well as having a full-time job, I neglected my own health. The horses, the dogs, the cats, even the goat were wonderfully nourished and all of their needs were catered for. But, you know, I just ate a normal diet, what I've heard called a standard Australian diet, which the acronym is SAD, and paid the price for that. So when I wrote the book, I included a section on, on horse nutrition, but people can also download a free chapter on um, human nutrition and health for humans, which is really just a an overview of how to live well and get more energy and get more nourishment into your life. Isn't it interesting, Joanne, how it takes for something like that to happen for us to then start changing our lifestyle? And when you're saying um, that things change shape, what exactly happened? Well, I got got run down basically and started getting um, sick more than I would like and certainly more than was convenient with the sort of lifestyle I was living I did have a, a brief reprieve when I got into the sport of powerlifting because I I wouldn't say I ate fantastically well, but I did pay a bit more attention to nutrition and powerlifting isn't like bodybuilding because you aren't trying to get, you know, shredded and uh, get the the cuts, if they call them in the vernacular, that you need to be really lean for a, a bodybuilding competition. Powerlifting, you need to build muscle and strength. So I did eat more protein and I took a couple of vitamin supplements and things that never seemed to uh, notice a lot of difference in what I was on at the time. 
But that helped, and I think that started to turn things around. But I didn't really seriously get interested in health until an Olympic coach recommended that my husband uh, try a different kind of supplement. And once he started on that and it was in the house, I was taking it and I thought, ah, this is different. And that sparked an interest which later led to a business but didn't lead to a business for 10 years, a bit of a slow adopter. Wow, power lifting. I can't imagine you doing that. I had a, I've had a look at some of your photos too. You're looking like a fine younger woman. So when you're talking about power lifting, how much did you, did you actually lift? My best, greatest lifting competition was a deadlift. And at the time I competed in the under 48 kilo women's division. So that's under 48 kilos I typically weighed in around 46 47 kilos and my best lift in a refereed competition was 155 kilo deadlift which is more than triple body weight wow and that takes a lot of determination to do something like that how long did you do that for (laughs) that's a funny story it was a bit accidental only three years Catherine I got into it accidentally because do you want to know how I got into it of course I do because you do. Uh, I had a mare and my mare was in foal. This was going to be my first foal. And once the mare was about seven months in foal, the gestation period for a horse is 11 months, I didn't want to ride her too hard. And so I had this uh, energy that I needed an outlet for. So I started going to a gym and someone in the gym said to me, you're very strong, you know, you should go in a powerlifting competition. So I innocently said, what is powerlifting? And she described the three lifts, which are the squat, deep knee bend, in other words, bench press where you lie on a bench and press a weight off your chest, and the deadlift where the weight is on the floor and you kind of lift it up like a a bag of wheat or something. And I said, oh, yes, that sounds interesting. And she said, well, there's a competition on, on Saturday. Would you like to go in it? So she taught me the lifts, I think, on Tuesday. I went in the competition on Saturday with no particular training and to my and everybody else's surprise, I broke all of the ACT records. I was um, living near Canberra at the time and just missed out on qualifying for the national championships by about a five kilogram margin. So I almost was an elite lifter in that first competition. So I thought, hey, I have a talent here. Uh, I will do powerlifting for a while. So in those three years, I became Australian champion. That was in 1988 and I represented Australia at two world championships in 1987 and 1988 and placed seventh in the world both times. Wow that's amazing you obviously like you said you just fell into it but obviously it's it's also in you. Uh, I look at my son my son started lifting bricks at the age of 10 months and he's <laughs> right into uh, his gym right now and he's really into the whole lifting and doing weights and so I always say to him I wonder if that that came from when you you know were 10 months old lifting these little bricks um, that got you doing what you're doing today. Well, I'm sure it all helps. And I think the having ponies from, I got my first pony when I was nine, carrying buckets of feed, saddles, and then later on, you know, moving bags of feed and bags of oats and bales of hay and things like that. Plus having uh, parents who had this attitude, well, nothing is impossible. It, like everything else, is at least 90% mental. And Tony Robbins would say it's 100% mental, but, you know, you do have to have a little bit of um, 
mind-muscle connection there. So uh, it's all in attitude, but I think also in prior conditioning. Mm, So you've had lots of practice by the sounds of it. So Joanne, having a look at everything that you have done, what drives you? How do you get motivated? Well, I have... It's a good question. A really keen interest in everything that I do and a passion for personal development. Now, I spent years saying I had a passion for personal development during my bureaucratic career, and I never really understood what it actually truly meant until I left the public service. But I am amazed by the the potential for change that you can bring about in your own life just by changing your mind. And that combined with the opportunity to contribute to other people's lives in a really positive way is what motivates me. So I love it when people pick my brains, whether it be about property or weight training or horses or anything else, really. Mm, and personal development, its you can really deep dive into that. It means so much to so many different uh, people, I guess. But for you, if you had to pick uh, a couple of words out of personal development, what does that mean to you? I guess the trite words are things like um, growth, spiritual development, and it's all interwoven. So it's about expanding your mind to appreciate exactly what you're capable of, which is limited only by the size of the inside of your head, if that makes sense, mm. and also realising that the there's a whole, I'm sort of gesticulating widely here, but you can't see it, there's a whole universe that we um, can shape if we put our minds to it no I absolutely agree I absolutely agree Um, so what is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given since you know just looking at all the things that you've been doing from a trainer to a breeder to an athlete to a real estate investor what's the best piece of advice Uh, The best piece of advice, it is very difficult to pin one down. Am I allowed to mention three things? You can, absolutely. Okay, because the first thing that comes into my mind is that when I was a little girl still at primary school, I was given one of those autograph books that were in vogue at the time, and I don't know if kids still get them, but we all had one and we'd all write in each other's, but my parents both wrote in mine and they wrote quite different things, but quite profound things. Cause obviously they were writing to my older self, not to my eight year old self or whatever it was at the time. So mum uh, quoted Shakespeare. I think it's Hamlet to thine own self be true. And it shall follow as the night, the day thou canst not be false to any man. And dad, I think wrote something original. I haven't found the quote anywhere else. So I think, It was his own words. And he said, people often judge a man by his material success, but there are many more important things. And as a kid, I read those things and thought I knew what they meant. And over the years, I read them and and committed them to memory, obviously, and eventually formed an understanding of them. And then years later, I came across a motto that went something like this, be honest at all times, write as well as you can and finish what you start. And I just love those those three, the, the conjunction of those three things, honesty, writing as well as you can, because that's always what I've wanted to do, and finish what you start is so important because a lot of people dabble and they start things and they dabble and they start things and they don't lock it down and finish. But if you can start and then finish what you start, you can 
achieve anything. So I think those insights help shape who I am, and I'd say they are the perhaps not advice, but they uh, were pivotal in in making me who I am today. Mm, what amazing uh, human beings! Your parents very wise. So when you're talking about writing, is it when you're saying it's something you've always done? Is that something that you enjoy doing as a little girl, or later on in life you thought I would like to write a book about this, or how did you go about it? Uh, I think like so many of us, we deep down all think we've got a book in us. <laughs> and again, it's, you know, you've got to start it and then you've got to finish it. So it's actually a good metaphor for the last uh, little bit of advice. But I have always been good at writing. I have a, a flair for languages and studied a number of, of foreign languages as well. And I loved English. It was my favourite subject at, at school and all the way through. And Part of my personal development has been getting over a piece of, I suppose you'd call it, criticism from a teacher where she didn't actually believe I'd written something that I did and she dismissed it with the words that, where did you copy it from? It's too good. And that um, stopped me from writing creatively for a long time, even though I could write very fluently in terms of uh, bureaucratic documents, briefs to the minister, you know, reports, that sort of thing. But just writing for pleasure uh, took a bit of personal development to reignite. So I'm glad that that happened for me. Jeez, if that was the worst uh, piece of feedback that I ever received, I would be chuffed. That's, <laughs> to me, I, that, I would have used that as my, um, uh, something to push me forward to writing. That's amazing. Yes, I would. I think I could use it that way now, but I was only about you know, nine years old, something like that. And and then the funny thing was um, I never told anybody about it. And I think if I had confided in my parents or my brother or my sister or even another kid, you know, this happened and I was disappointed and it was unjust, they would have said, yes, it was unjust and exactly what you said, that's fantastic feedback. But I kept it to myself being a fairly self-reliant person. I've, uh, that's another piece of my personal development that I'm unpacking. <laughs> mm. uh, found so much benefit in in sharing and talking to people. And even though, you know, as a rational person, you think I can handle this, actually unburdening yourself of it makes such a huge difference. I'm a big fan of counselling and that sort of process now. Yeah, and I think that sometimes when you look back at things with uh, adult eyes, you see things so differently, don't you? And therefore can have, you know, you can give it a different meaning and therefore it has a, a completely different impact on you to help you move forward. Yes, exactly. Mm. I suppose that's one of the joys of growing up. I know, I know. I love, the, I love, the, I love the, way, the way you say growing up, not getting older. Growing up, that's right. We'll never grow up. We'll just keep growing up. <laughs> that's right, yes. So, Aging so, is is optional. Oh, that's right. It's only a number, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yes. Hmm. So, Joanne, what is the greatest lesson that you have ever learned? Well, back in 1998, which isn't that long ago, I suppose, I was sitting on a plane flying to Germany and I was reading a book that I had randomly gone into a bookshop, except you know, probably not randomly and chosen, um, purely because of the cover. And it was called Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And the bit that I remember most 
as impacting me as a lesson was his discussion of forgiveness. And since then, I've um, looked more into forgiveness. But that very first thing was had such an impact on me because at the time uh, my first marriage had not that long before broken up. And reading Maxwell Maltz saying, forgive yourself, you know, if you're getting wrinkly hands or whatever. I think he was a, a cosmetic surgeon actually back in the day. So he talked about forgiving yourself for physical flaws, but he said if there are people in your life that have disappointed you, forgive them, truly forgive them. And while I thought, you know, I understand what's happened and it's okay for people to uh, form relationships with other people, etc. of course that wasn't true forgiveness, but thinking about truly forgiving really turned things around to the point where I was talking to somebody after I, I got back from the trip to Europe, which was to go and watch the World Equestrian Games in Italy uh, back in that year. And she said to me, you're in such great shape. You're in much too good shape, you know, given what you've been through, which was the, the breakup and the divorce. And I think it's all thanks to Maxwell Maltz. So that was a great lesson. Well, I love the forgiveness piece to your physical flaws. That's an interesting one. How do you do that? Because, I mean, that's one of those things that it's very common in young teenagers, in women especially, men and women, but especially in women, where they focus on their flaws and that could have a huge impact on their confidence, self-esteem, uh, what they do with themselves. So how do you actually forgive a physical flaw? <laughs> well, you can't do a lot of, well, there are physical flaws you can do something about and there are physical flaws you can't do anything about. So if, like I remember uh, talking about young people and being you know, riddled with uh, with lack of confidence because of physical flaws I used to read magazines like Cosmopolitan and Dolly and um, Cleo and things like that. And I remember reading one once and it said oh, someone or other at the grand old age of 30 had looked in the mirror and she said, I realized my neck had gone. So, so I went to the mirror and thought, has my neck gone? And I looked at it and yes, I was about 30 or 32 or something. Yes, my neck had gone too. What does that mean? It wasn't quite as, you know, pert and tightly stretched and plastic looking as it had been but it was still there uh, but I didn't like the fact that it had changed and I'd noticed this and I think that whoever wrote that article actually did a whole group of people a disservice in um, having lack of lack of appreciation of their neck but what I took from Maxwell Maltz's forgive your flaws is your body is amazing. You are amazing. Your skin, uh, for instance, because that tends to be what we, we see, is fantastic in as much as it holds all your bits in, it stops the water getting in, it stops your you know, blood getting out. It's fantastic. And the fact that it um, shows a bit of wear and tear is actually a tribute to you living longer. And I reckon that beats the alternative. So I've become much more accepting of myself. And uh, another funny thing that um, might, I don't know, might amuse some people is I used to look at my dad and he, you know, when he was, say, in his 30s or 40s and I was a little girl, he had these crow's feet around his eyes when he smiled. So wonderful crinkly laughter lines like a, like a macaw, you know, the kind of 
lines that radiate backwards from your eyes. Yeah. And I, I thought they were so beautiful. And I used to screw my eyes up, look in the mirror and try to create these things. And, of course, with my little young skin, I couldn't. But I have them now. And I think, well, aren't you lucky because <laughs> you always like them. And sometimes I think, well, I wish they weren't quite so uh, like that. But, you know, other people seem to like me even though they look at me all the time. So I'm I'm cool with them now. Now, I love the way that you describe that, and I'm sure our listeners will too, because quite often you hear, and I hear it all the time, I hear even myself, uh, as we get older, everything goes south. And <laughs> we tend to focus on that rather than uh, being grateful that, like you said, our skin protects us from water getting in and the blood getting out. And actually looking at, at it from a, a longevity point of view of how much we have lived and what kind of life we have lived, which is beautiful. Mm, it's gorgeous. Mm, so thanks. talking about youth, what advice would you give your younger self, Joanne? Well, on that theme, I would tell a younger me to appreciate and treasure who I was and how I looked because I look at photos of me taken then, you know, in my 20s or whatever, that I hated at the time because I looked fat or I had a pimple or I had braces and, you know, I knew my hair had split ends as well. So all of these trivial transient things that no one else in the world cares about except except you and as my dad said to me once if people don't like you for who you are they don't like you so (laughs) the message was move on to other people so I wouldn't worry about the superficial stuff I would uh, care more about what's going on inside and making sure I was healthy on the inside which of course then can it's not going to change the uh, the pimples. Uh, sorry, it's not going to change the braces, but it can impact on the pimples and the split ends. Uh, and then I would say work a bit harder on my weaknesses instead of playing to my strengths. And that's a message I have to tell myself every day as well because, you know, like most people, I like to procrastinate and one of my mottos is procrastinate later <laughs> and that seems to help. And thirdly, if my younger self was alive in this day and age, I would say remember that you are also who the internet says you are. So use it to protect and enhance your reputation, not to damage it. And I think another thing is I wish I had asked my grandparents more for advice because since they've passed away and helping um, my mother un, you know, unpack my grandfather's uh, records and things like that, I found that he was a bit of an investing whiz and had all these very successful share investments and things. I never knew that about him and didn't ever discuss you know, money or investing and things like that with him. And he didn't either. But I'm sure if I initiated it, he would have given me some great tips. So I would say, use the people around you and mine them for wisdom about life and money and other things. And that goes back to that, the, the principle of respect your elders. You know, we do that less now because I guess it's a different kind of life. But, you know, when you know, 20, 30 years ago, you used to sit with your grandparents and, and they used to tell you stories about, you know, uh, your country, your history, whatever that may be. It's so different now. I don't think people have those kind of conversations anymore. Which is pretty sad. Mm. And even, as you say, the storytelling. Uh, Grandma used to tell us ghost stories and things like that. And my grandfather used to read to us and another one would take me right. another grandfather, the other grandfather, would take me riding and, you know, another grandmother. Um, 
just had so much homespun wisdom and was a wonderful semstress. There are things you can learn from older people, and I was always taught to to respect them, but I wasn't taught to to ask them a lot of questions. You know. So I think that was perhaps a generational thing too. Mm, I like that, asking lots of questions. Love it. So, Joanne, we always ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? I would say integrity, and I would say that because I've done a bit of work with you know, regard to the book and my website and things like that about my personal brand. And I asked my husband that exact question a little while ago. I said, what would you say is one word? Because my word was creative, but he said integrity. And I think he's right because that is really important to me. Uh, it says it says a lot in one word. No, it sure does. And it's always the best way to find out about your personal brand is to ask feedback because a lot of the times we are blinded by our, our I guess, our strengths, our talents, and uh, and when we ask for that feedback, it always comes back to us and you can always relate to it. It's a great word. Yes, I'm happy with it. Mm. So the other thing we do at the as we wrap up the show, we always ask our women of inspiration to share with, with us three golden nuggets uh, to give to our listeners. So what would be three golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners? Going back to the, one of the themes at the very beginning of the interview, uh, I would like to quote Jim Rohn, who was an American philosopher, mm. and he said, for things to change, you must change. And that is really profound. And it's as simple as deciding to forgive your your uh, physical flaws. That's a change. But I would say don't try to change too many things at once. Pick one and make a decision about what you want to do or be and then implement that. And then when you've mastered that, uh, repeat with the next thing and go on. But another really important thing is, I think, gratitude and counting your blessings. And I find if I focus on appreciating what I have, more good things follow, and it sets my my brain up for a, a more receptive state. And the last thing I would say is be generous with your time, with your knowledge, with your resources and, and set an example, uh, it, it kind of, when I do this and when I started doing it more, it turned a mirror back on me and showed me that I do have perhaps more to offer than I, uh, you know, in my insecure moments would have thought that I did have. And then as you get more, you can give more, you get more money, you can give more money. And I found that what you give and share comes back to you in in lots of weird and wonderful ways. And I know there are a lot of books and theories out there about that, but I believe it to be true. I, I'm i so with you, Joanne. I really believe that um, what you give is what you receive. Uh, and quite mm. often I, I hear people say, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. And I always ask them, what do you give in return? It has to be a two-way street. And energy doesn't flow one way. It goes two ways. So I, I'm with you 100%. And I love Jim Rohn. He is a wonderful man. Unfortunately, he did pass away some time ago, but I love him very much. Um, I love the fact that, too, when you're talking about change and when you quoted for things to change, you must change, 
to pick the one thing, I, I think that sometimes we focus on all the things we want to change and we get so overwhelmed that we actually lose focus and we don't end up changing anything. So I think to keep it simple is pick one. I like that. Hmm, thanks. Yes, I agree. It's certainly, well, yeah, focus is, is the word. Mm. So, Joanne, where can our listeners find you? They can find me uh, all over the internet. There aren't too many Joanne Varikioses, but there are some. <laughs> I have uh, a website, which is winninghorsemanship.com, and that's on Facebook and Instagram, the same name. I also uh, have a Twitter account called Lifestyle to Love, or one word, that's T-O, not, not the numeral two, Lifestyle to Love, and another Facebook account called Joanne Varikios Vitamin Girl if people are interested in the health side of things. Well, you are a colourful human being and I love the fact that your earliest ambition was to ride bareback on a horse in a circus. I think that's just wonderful. It just shows, it really shows that's your personality. You're just very colourful. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'm sure our listeners will love you. It's been a great honour, Catherine. Thank you so much for your questions and your time. You're most welcome. That brings us to the end of the show. If you have any questions, please send us an email to jennifer at iamwomanproject.com.au or Twitter at iamwomanproject and we will get right back to you. If you were listening to this podcast on iTunes, please make sure you leave a review or rating about the show. We would love to hear your thoughts. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next time, please take care.